I said last time, just so people can see it, that there was a new shortened Birkat Amazon that the movement has put out. I use it for my lunches with the suburbs and lunches downtown. So I'll just pass this out quickly, just so you can take a look at it. You'll see the changes as the time... Sandy. Sandy. And just to take a fast look at it, because we use here at least four or five different ones as well. So first of all, if you look at it, the back page on page six, you'll see that it's approved by the major organs of the movement, which is in itself is rather something unusual to say the least. The front page on page one is all the same, obviously. You're all used to that. When you turn to the second page, you'll find... You'll notice that the Al-Hakol is roughly the same. Okay? And then it's a little bit shortened than the one we're normally using. The bottom of page two has Rachem and goes straight to Vnei Yerushalayim on page five. It does add, as you can see, Al-Anisim for Chanukah, Purim, and Yom Ha'atzma'ut in shortened form again. Ritzay in shortened form. And Yalev Yavo also in shortened form. Who decided on this? There's all the groups in the back. Oh, all the groups together. Mm-hmm. It was done through the law committee. But then if we turn to page five, okay, it's basically the same text that we've been used to. And again, you heard the Harachamans. And then it finishes off with Mug, with, with mug deal. So it's a little bit different than the one we've knew than what we've been using but if you as we you recall in our studies in the in the Talmud there are certain things that had to be in obviously the first bracha and some form of the last one and the some form of the last one is changed depending on what text you use the only one that frankly does not make sense that we use here is the Sunday morning men's club one for those of you who are used to it it's just has nothing attached to it but, but it pre long predates me and since I'm not there anyhow um, so so I, I I'm the one who's the the show mayor of these because um, I know they'd walk uh, and those and as I say that I usually use them for the lunch in the suburbs and lunch in, in the in the loop what? I will collect them no, that's it. That's it. Just wanted to show you. Just, just hold them all together. Just hold them there, okay? Because one at a time, I can't. Believe. So, um, what I want to do now is I want to go back to the paper. We were on page seven. Okay. Everybody have. Okay, so what we've been dealing with is this issue of what happens in people's diets.
when they can't have bread, do they still say Brikaramazon? We're going to see in a moment what blessing they say in advance as well. And Dr. Barmash brought sources having to do with the basis for Brikaramazon, which we have seen coming from the Torah and using our sources as well in the Talmud. And then there even a court she brought some sources which says that even if you don't have bread, if you're koveya seuda, meaning you really make this a meal, that you have to still and, and savata and you've been satiated, then you should do Brikadamazon afterwards. And that's kind of where we did <coughs> and on one of the on, on page seven she said one of the porches of Brikadamazon is lengthy, etc. And that's what we talked about, the different shortened forms, which is why I brought you this one just to take a look at. And that's where we finished. We finished, we were up to now. What bracha do you say in advance? Okay? Because you're not going to have bread. Gluten-free is not really bread, per se. And the question will be, what, according to her at this particular time, we'll see there'll be some disagreements, on what particular bracha do you say in advance? Again, we've learned that that didn't come from the Torah. It was a rabbinic injunction, um, and but it's been accepted by everybody. You have to say obviously brachot before, what's known as brachot before you derive pleasure. In this case of eating, the question is: Do you say motzi? Do you say shakol? Do you say mizonot? What bracha do you say that relates to this in order to have kviatsuda? To have that meal, which is really a, a set meal, to which she suggests that you have to say Brikadamazon afterwards. And that's where we are at this point. Questions? Okay, so I think we went around the table this time, this time, we'll go that time. It's all English, we'll just do it paragraph by paragraph. What do I say? Bracha? Yes, ma'am. The bracha blessing for bread that is made from the five species of grain, defined traditionally as wheat, oats, barley, spelt, and rye is Hamotze Lechem in HaAretz. A meal for which this bracha is recited does not require brachot for any of the other foods and beverages that may be consumed as part of the meal except for wine. This bracha serves as the master bracha for the meal. Okay, why don't you say Motze, you don't say anything else, whether you have to do it or wine or not, there's a disagreement for it. What was the Oish again? Or, the Or Chaim, Or Chaim of the Shulchan Aruch. This is so, even if a person who recites this bracha does not know what other food will be served in the course of the meal and consumes bread in the amount as minimal as the measure of an olive. Okay, as long as you have an olive, we've had this before, in other words, a small measure of challah before we'll take Friday night, which is the meal that at least we all have bread before, almost all of us, that, then you don't have to say any bracha afterwards. That takes in your responsibility of saying, you say, Hamotzi Lechem in Haaretz, and then obviously you don't have to do anything after that except we're kind of muscle. Yes, sir. What is the reason for differentiating between saying a master bracha for everything and then differentiating and having to say bracha for wine? The, the wine was always, again, considered something unusual, something dedicated. Most cases you don't have to do, once, you, once you've had a most, you don't have to do wine. That's why I've always said before that it's, if you're going to do uh, these uh, events, to do the, the kiddush or to do the blessing, do the blessing over the wine first. Um, but you're, what most most of the sources are, you don't have to do the, the blessing over the wine once you've said motzi. 
In many cases, on, on Friday night, what do we do anyhow? Do the blessing beforehand over the wine. Right. There's a question of what happens is what dessert. Is that considered part of the meal? Is it an extra part? So there are people, I know my son-in-law, when, he had, when, when they have dessert there, says a special bracha for either mezonot or, or fruit or whatever the case may be. And the kids got used to that as well. The traditional five species of grain, wheat, oats, barley, spelt, and rye vary in the amount of gluten they contain. Wheat, rye, and barley contain gluten, and they serve as the basic ingredients for bread. Rye contains less gluten than wheat, and barley contains even less. And as you can see, she quotes from below, I have no clue under this stuff. Anybody else does with Akasha? Oats do not contain gluten, and therefore cannot be made into raised breads on their own. Oat breads are made from a limited amount of oats, mixed with a large amount of wheat flour. Spelt, the fifth of the traditional species of grain, is a variety of wheat, and it contains gluten. Now today, today you can get oats, you know, matzah now is when people begin to t take cognizance of this, right? Because... Yeah, right, I mean, all kinds of things today too. But on a normal basis, anybody who's, who doesn't have to worry about gluten-free, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't even pass your Right. You know, cognizance whatsoever. If you are, then all of a sudden these things are really very important. Okay, so some, most of them have something to do with with that that ra that uh, with gluten that that is attached to it. Okay, <clears throat> diners who need or wish to avoid breads with gluten do have the option of non-gluten breads, that is, loaves and other forms of raised dough products. These breads are made from rice flour or potato starch combined with phantom gum, a product that mimics the classic action of gluten, creating pockets of air. Bracha for bread is made from rice for bread made from rice flour is Boremi name is Onot. The bracha for bread made from potato starch Okay, so this is not real wheat. This is not real bread. It is, if you will, fake bread. Okay, it is what it really is in many ways. And some of you, I remember when my mother was showing, we used to air Pesach since you couldn't have, um, you know, matzah and you couldn't, we would make these little bagel things which had air pockets all attached to them, which were nothing, you know. Okay, they were simply air to a large extent. It's the same. It's really the same kind of thing. What bracha do you say? You wouldn't say motzi, because it's not made of. You're not having an olives group up thing of the wheat or of the other five grains. You're now having something which is either boremi name is onot like a cake, or in terms of the potato starch borei priyadaman. If you look below, there's a debate on what exactly is borei priyadaman or shakoni abidvaro. But regardless. Regardless, it's not hamotzi. So if a person is not having is it can they have some gluten-free bread and say the other motzi? There is no other motzi. That's well, right now. Yeah, no, no. So right. So right now she's saying what you say is, Boremi name is Zonot. Okay? Okay? 
But what's now going to, what's the real issue then? If you say Boremine Mazonot, you don't say Brikata Mazon. Right? You say the Brachamein Shlosha, the, the shortened form which we looked at last time. Okay? So that these are the, the, the nuances here. If you say do Motsi, yeah, do Brikata Mazon, those two go together. If you don't do Motsi, then ultimately what you do is Boremine Mazonot, and going back to Joel's question, then you have to say the Brachot on all of the others that you eat too, whatever you're eating. Because it's not a bracha kolelit. It's not a bracha which takes in everything else like a motzi. That's the, that now becomes the issue. So the issue to her at this point is what bracha do you say before? That relates whether you say brachot over everything you eat during the meal and what bracha you say afterwards. Okay? Can I just ask a quick related question? How is the role on the plain to Israel, the zone out. It's not, it, it's made with one of these things. Okay, they don't want you to have bread. Why? Because then you have to get up and wash and right. that turbulence and you know, everything else in the sun. So, mizonot, basically, it's so made out of cake, of a cake meal. It's not... So it's not yeast-based. Presumably not. I thought it was a mizonot because it was made sweet rather than like bread. Right. It's not. Let's put it this way. It's not bread. I can't tell you exactly what it's made from. It's not my expertise to say at least. But it's not bread. I always wonder because it yeah. tastes like bread. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it doesn't taste like those really wonderful Pesach rolls that right. we had three right. years ago right. that are made completely from potato starch. Right. That if you didn't know, you wouldn't know. Right. But I mean, if you yeah. So we're going to see whether that, that we're going to see based on. So let's go through the whole thing and then come back and ask the question. Because where she will come down on this kind of thing will say, well, you still have to do it if you like your dime? You do, what do you say, Birkat Amazon, etc.? Okay? Quickly, is this debate also in the Orthodox world? I mean, I assume there's celiac disease there, too. Or, or yeah, yeah. Well, the brachot are not based on, on you know, uh, Pam Barmesh making that decision. Oh, right. So that I would say. Oh, no, no. This is, if you notice below, the, in, the, in the, one of the notes, the note says, talked about Rabbi Moshe Feinstein. I mean, this is not... Number 21. Okay. So, no, this is, right, whether, whether she comes out in the end with the same answer as the quote-unquote Orthodox woman, we'll see it. But in terms of the statements, yeah, of course there are people within it. Now, again, this is all relatively new. Right. Okay. All right. Again, at least I'll speak to myself. When I was growing up, I don't know what gluten-free was. I'm still not sure I do, but to be honest with you. But, unheard of. I mean, all of these food things are, re- you know, are relatively new, etc. Again, just think of the of, of going to school. Who had no, who worried about nut allergies or anything? Didn't exist, right? Uh, we become very sensitive to it. Whether it's it's just more knowledge or it's genetic or whatever the case may be, I don't know. Or environmental, right? Okay, environmental. It's all kind of thing. Part of it is we we identify things. Today, which we couldn't identify. Somebody got sick from something food. From something food, they were allergic, right? We are, they have allergies. That's what we always say. Then you had to figure out which allergy they were. Facing. Back in those days, everything was black and white. Good. Now it's actually on a continuum. There, there are people who That's are exactly extremely right. sensitive right. to like these I'm things, right. and other people who just sneeze. You know, we, we, we again. We had guests last Shabbat when Jerry Silverman was here. And you know, years passed, you never asked it. You allergic to anything? I mean, you, you invited someone. 
So I, I said to Brian, I guess I should ask if they have any food restrictions. It's a good thing I did because he's gluten-free now. Okay? Which meant, Brian said to me, oh, I guess I better change some of the menu at least. <laughs> you know? Just call me. <laughs> you know? Or, or you do, you know, vegetarianism. Well, what do you mean vegetarianism today? Do you eat fish? Right? Or, or what? Are you, I mean, again... <laughs> right. Did he say no to No, he didn't watch the same mozi. And I, and I sent him this. Yeah, well, we didn't have to worry. But yes, the answer is yes. And I sent him this chuva. I was going to give it to him, I forgot, and I sent it to him. He said, thank you. So the, the issue is, therefore, you know, we're, we're much more sensitive to food things today than, than everything. And again, maybe environmental, maybe genetic, maybe just we know more what it can be. And, and you're right, Larry. Today, it's, you know, let me tell you, in the preschool, it's like maddening what they can serve and what they can't serve depend on who's in the room and not in the room and in the kitchen is is not, you know not only not only can't you eat nuts but is it have come anywhere near nuts uh, however those of, of us who have very allergic children but you want to know something if it was a previous generation or two ago it would probably have said too bad <laughs> was simple as that that's what they do in Israel yeah, too bad too bad can kill people <laughs> I'm not debating. I'm debating it, but it was too. Nobody understood it. So all of this stuff of gluten free is relatively new. So she's now. We're trying to figure out with her help what brachot do you do? And if I had, and I said I had some at my table. We all got up to wife. She says I can't eat the bread. Okay, and he, he had just learned in February about this. So he's still going through learning all about all this stuff too, and getting the diet arranged and everything else. So. On the preschool, you should hand, they should hand this out to the preschool. Oh, right. This is what <laughs> I'll send it home to, the, to all the preschool parents. It's not enough problems. And then they're going to run away real fast. <laughs> right. <laughs> However, some may wish to follow. Some may wish follow. We may wish to follow, obviously. To follow to another line of reasoning. The appropriate bracha for products made from the five species of grain is not always a A special category of food of foods made from these five species of grain is hot And the appropriate bracha is based on whether it is used as the basis of a main meal. All right, so we're going to talk a little more about Bechisnin. She has it, as you see, we'll go to the end, and then we'll do the excursus she has at the back for their explanation. So we'll go up for, through the next paragraphs, because she's going to talk a little bit about it, and then we'll, there's an excursus at the back, an appendix, that we'll look at on what really is a pata, because it will relate very much to the way she comes down in terms of the decision. Okay, that's that's a, it's a good seat, my tzitzi. Look at look at the, the if you look at your tzitzi, it's a it's a play, right? <laughs> Are you perhaps saying the bracha hamotzi lachem in ha'aretz? They replied, Yes, we are, since it has been taught. Rav Nuna said it in the name of Rav Judah over pat haba'ah b'chisim 
Here you go. Here's the, here's the orality of the whole thing. A huge difference. Right? Leap changed one word and all of the practices changed. They said to him, Is it not the master himself who has said in the name of Samuel that bread rolls may be used for a name? I'll explain this in a moment. I'll explain this in a moment. And the bracha said over them is, Hamotzi lachem in He replied, There we speak of a different case. Namely, where they, the bread rolls, designate a main meal, like to serve as the basis of a main meal. But if they do not designate a main meal, this does not apply. Okay, so let me explain the Eru. There are a number of different Eruvim, okay, boundaries. Most of us know the Eru has to do with caring, right? You need what? No, you need a Rishutayachid, you need a personal property in, in you know private property in order to carry if you carry from private to pro- to public or public to private you've got against the halacha okay it's your Shabbat. it's in the in the tractate of Shabbat really not in the Torah although it's mentioned in, the, in, in Ezra a little bit so you as long as there is something which designated and there's a whole there's a whole tractate on a Rubin and what has to be designated and how it can be designated etc. Uh, in, in communities that care about walking and, but caring it's a very important thing and uh, as you know we do have one up here not all of the area is within the Eruv there's certain areas that are just outside it's a pain that the high school is officially just outside the Eruv um, literally a half a block uh, and it only it only matters for us on Yom Kippur Yom Kippur and the laws of Shabbat are exactly the same when it comes to carrying okay so for Eruv sorry who made that? Chabad. The people from Chabad made it. Mm-hmm. And the interesting part is Chabad is not a real devotee of Eruvin. They don't like it anyhow, but the, the people within the community, the Chabad community paid for it, and they got and they got one of the designated people. You have to know a lot about it. In Chicago, and I think Chicago people did it, I forget exactly, wasn't it? Am I right? Mm-hmm. Right. Okay, and it has to be checked all the time. It's supposed mm-hmm. to be checked. You can call a hotline. Okay, right. There's a hotline. It used to be used to be aroof.org or something. Now I think you have to go on there. Well, you know, really, it's a, so again for those who care. And, and here, Jerry Silverman, who was here, said, uh, "Do you have an aroof?" I said, "Yes, we do." Okay, so I have to ring my callus Friday night. Again, those who care, it makes a big deal. That's the one aroof. The second aroof, which you may be familiar with, is aroof tafshilin. Which periodically we remind people of, you're not allowed to cook from Yantif into Shabbos. Okay, you can cook on Yantif itself. You of course can't cook on Shabbos. But when, as we will this coming year, with everybody's great uh, joy, have Thursday, Friday Yantif, and then Shabbos. If you want to cook from Yantif to Shabbos and not have everything cooked by Wednesday. You have to do an Eruv Tafshilin, and I always make sure that that's set out for those who, who care about it. What is an Eruv Tafshilin? Basically, it symbolizes that you have started your cooking Wednesday for Shabbos. And for Shabbos. So what, you, what, you have done, what you've done in those cases is you put aside something that's Koveya Seuda, 
normally some challah or some bread with something cooked. You put it aside on Wednesday and you say, this already is putting aside, you say the Bukhari Ruv, for me and all the people within the community. You kind of take everybody in. And what you do on Shabbat is you then have that part of your meal. Because you've already designated that. You can't have that over Yantuf. You wait until Shabbos to have that as part of your meal. And therefore, you're, in a sense, continuing to cook on Yantuf for Shabbos. Because you've started the process already. Okay? Is it a legal fiction? Absolutely. But you're not going to, nobody, you know, even when they only had one day to, when, and no refrigeration, to have things lay for two days was impossible in a Mediterranean climate. There is a third Eruv known as Eruv Chatserot. Eruv Chatserot is uh, a, uh, an Eruv that has to do with if you, want, if you have a courtyard, okay, figure out when you, went to, when you go to Mea Sharim, okay, everything is built in, in, in a kind of a fortress kind of thing, which is the way they did them in Europe. Why? Protection and they have a common courtyard. If you don't have an A-roof there, you can't carry from one place to the other place. But if you have one of the places designated as a place where everybody joins together in a communal meal, meaning everybody contributes something, you don't really have to eat there, but it's again, it allows you to say all of this is part of our territory, all of this is part of, uh, again, a Rashut HaYachid, of private property, therefore we can carry in between these places, etc. We don't really do Eruv Chatserot, okay? Uh, when I, you know, the equivalent is when I was in Hyde Park, we, they built townhouses and we bought one, and which was basically was called Hedgerow, and they were um, on this side of the street on 54th and Hyde Park Boulevard, there were condominiums, on this side, on the east side, on the west side, there was condominiums with common space in between. We had a gate, security gate on this side, and we had some sort of gate on that side, on that's the other side as well. That's the closest you can get to it. Okay? The fourth one is Eruk Tchumin. And that is, you're only allowed to walk 2,000 cubits outside the city on a Shabbat. Okay? It's not a... How far is that about? 2,000 cubits. A cubit is from here to here. So more than a foot. Yeah, about 36 inches or so. so oh, someone inches. told me it's not quite four miles, but I don't know if that's true. I don't know. I don't know. Okay? Uh, outside city limits. In those days, cities were very small. Today, what's considered a city? I mean, Chicago's a city. Okay? It again kept it the same as the, the, the concept of not carrying, kept people closer to the domiciles and not going on trips and everything else under the sign on Shabbat. Unless, unless 2,000 cubits out, you put food and a meal, so you would begin then having a meal and then have another 2,000 cubits after that. Can you continue that? You could continue that. Now, why would they make a difference? Let's say you had a brit milah to go to on Shabbos outside the city, and it was eight miles, if it's four miles, okay, I don't care, whatever it is. 
So you can't officially walk that far on, on the Shabbos outside the city, but you could have a meal prepared and it's supposed to stay there for Shabbos. You would hide it away someplace, eat it when you got to that place, that's your new place now, your new domicile, your new home, and then you can walk another 2,000 cubits. What's that called? Eruv Tchum. Tchum are like boundaries, right? Yeah, borders are boundaries. Right? So, in terms of here, the private, the public, the regular that we don't know doesn't have to do with food. All the others do. Eruv Tashilin, which is the most familiar to us, and as I say, you'll have to do it three times this coming year, in the fall, with Rosh Hashanah and Sukkot and, and the Shemina Tzeretz in Pastora. Two, Eruv Chatzerot. <laughs> Good face. It's okay. Mm-hmm. It's okay. And then So the question now, you notice what they're saying here is, they said to him, it's not the master who said in the name of, of Samuel that bread rolls may be used for an eruv. That's the eruv concept. And the bracha said is amotzi lechamina aretz. He said that's different, namely where the bread rolls designate a main meal. But if they do not designate a main meal, this does not apply. In all the three cases that I told you, they, they are part of the main meal. Okay. Here, the question is, it looks like he set before them patabab the kisnin. Presumably, he didn't want them to have a main meal. He was giving what we would call heavy hors d'oeuvres or whatever. Or less. Or less. But it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't a real suda. And so we came We're going to see what that means yet. It's still left out on the side, parking it till we get to try to understand this. But it's not the same thing as he says the Eru. Just, just a quick question. So that's it. Let's say that it was some uh, target that they had to go that is more than 4,000. So can they have food on the 2,000? Yeah, they could. They could. Each time it started with two. They have to keep yeah. getting well, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, again, w- part of it is again this whole concept of keeping people close to their domiciles on Shabbat. Part of it is that that there may be reasons. Cities were a little towns. I mean, how you could walk out the boundary very quickly. Take, li- think of it as Highland Park to Glencoe. Okay, there's not boundary, but you cross Lake Cook Road, you're all of a sudden in another city. It's a we're cities. All right. We don't think we think of Chicago, but think of or think of Highland Park with its crazy boundaries. Okay, half the time you're walking into Highwood and then you're back into Highland Park. If you took it seriously as different cities, right? You don't even know where you're, you're driving in between them half the time. You you look at it. Oh, I was in Highwood. Oops, I'm in Highland Park. It's like forest. You know, the boundaries are crazy up in this neighborhood. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> Sandy, next. Okay. Just going back to that courtyard. So, would they go to somebody's house and like just have kiddush and mozi together? They could. They could, as long as they had something communal there. Did they Cause historically, when people moved outside the old city, were they creating a new city, or were they? They were creating a new settlement. settlement. There was a new settlement. The settlement is not a city itself. So, I don't know the the of the stuff there. But again, the people who moved out to a large extent were the ultra-religious. And, and again, if you look at, at the way Mea Sharim was set up, is set up, 
it's kind of set up with the there's a facade and if you get inside there's a common courtyard that's the way it was done in Eastern Europe okay and part of it of course was simply protection you lived on the inner side because you were worried about living on the outer side and Plain also, and simple. Well, and also, you had a little bit of open space as opposed to right. just dense buildings, the way we're used to in cities, where it's just buildings, 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 and there is nothing. Right, right. We're used to, and then up here, you're used to wide spaces. That's very unusual. That didn't exist, unless you had a farm or something. You know, probably the farms were as big as some of the, the estate. You know, the the residences here, in terms of the area that people have. So you got you got to somehow. Think back to that time. Okay, we'll come to back. We still haven't decided what this Pat Bhabhabhiknisnin is. But it seems to be, at this point, something of which there was a disagreement. Is it a full meal? Do you say, what, what bracha do you say? Do you say mozi or do you say mezonot? Kisnin, is it packets? Packets of kiss? Well, we'll see. Let's just hold it there because we're going to go, we're gonna, we'll talk, discuss a little more yet. Uh, where are we up to? Yeah. Yeah, okay, sorry. Our friend? Okay, so what she said, what's the real case here? What's the important part? Is it the basis of a meal? Not necessarily of whether it's something made of, the, of grains or a batababikisnin, but is it, because that's his response at the end, where they designate a main meal, that's when you say hamotzi, when it's not a main meal, you don't. That seems to be what she's, what we say, tolin, she was kind of hanging her argument on at this point. Mm -hmm. right? In regard to the bracha for non-gluten bread, some may wish to follow the argument of Rachot 42a. We should take into account the use of a food, not only its makeup. The usage is decisive, just as the bracha switches to hamotzi lechem in haaretz if it becomes the basis of a main meal. So. Two, if non-gluten bread is the basis of a main meal, then the bracha is hamotzilach. All right, you see what she's done? She's done what we call a move. In other words, she's taken, normally you eat hamotzilach in when it comes to one of the five grains. Here I have something which isn't one of the five grains. We'll see again what it is exactly. And there is a disagreement on when you say motzi. Some clearly said you say motzi, apat ba bikisnin. The other person said, no, not if it's on a normal cases, but if it's the major meal, if it's the basis of a main meal, that's when you say it. So what now is, she says, being decisive? Not the, the sense of non-gluten bread, gluten bread, padababa kisnin, but is that koveya seuda? Is that your main meal? Okay, everybody with me? So, you mean the bread is the main meal? or the part, the, the part of the main meal. That part becomes the, the basic. Alright, so let's turn to page 13. Rather than wait till there. She's got an appendix or an, an excursus 
on what is this is. That's why I said let's just wait and see um, what it becomes. So, Sandy? Okay, everybody got it? Yeah. Okay. okay. What is meant by the category hat is unclear. The word kisna mm-hmm. means hemp seed, no. but is but it's unclear what this means in the time of the band. I'm not sure what hemp seed means anyhow, so I don't know. Okay? But then for sure I don't know. No, they're the seeds of hemp plant and people I, I are get, right, they're right. using it now a lot. For what? Hemp milk, flour, yeah, flour, baking cookies, putting it as added protein, I think, in shakes. As, as, as for people who are gluten-free? No, I think it's just an extra source of nutrients. Oh, okay. Everybody know that? Am I the only one who doesn't know that? No, you're not the only one who doesn't know that. Oh, good. I don't really care, so it's okay. <laughs> A number of possibilities come to mind. The dough was mixed or filled with these seeds. Two, wheat grains were baked or fried and thereby looked like hemp seeds. Oh, that's the Keaton-Yote argument. Or three, wheat grains were baked or fried and were eaten like snacks of hemp seed. Rabbi Marcus Jastrow suggests... The Jastrow, was known, is, was the main from relatively recently and may still be the mage Talmudic dictionary. All of us grew up on Jastro. Mm-hmm. Suggests that the root of the word Kafsamasama to nibble signifying that mean refers to nibblings, desserts. Mean it's not kovei, it's not, you know, you're sitting, you know, you're grazing, exactly. Mm-hmm. While this etymology is incorrect, it may nonetheless be how the term pat was understood in certain time periods as a snack made of bread-like food. As a snack, that's the key, okay? The snack. So they, he thinks it's, it's if it's a snack, then you don't say clearly mozi, right? It's not kovea. You're sitting around, you're grazing, you're trying to keep yourself, uh, you know, satiated to some extent before the next meal. But if it's already kovea suda. Then, at least, Rabbi Barmach is suggesting it's a different thing. Okay? Nina? Later halachic authorities agree that it is a dish meant as a snack or as a dessert, but disagree as to which other ingredients are mixed in and how it is cooked or baked. According to... Shulchanarach. Shulchanarach, 168.7, there are three basic definitions. Dough that has been baked into a crisp and hard texture. Example of this definition are crackers, flatbread, breadsticks, and pretzels. Mm-hmm. I doubt that the, the, the Talmud, the Shulchan Aruch talk about pretzels, but this is her definition. <laughs> this definition is further refined. These terms are usually eaten as a snack. Mishnah Brura. Dough that has been sweetened with honey, oil, milk, or spices and is cake-like, tasting sweet and fruity. This is, seems to be the mezonot that you get on the plane. Okay, it's, it's, it's fruit juices that are part of it. Yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah. Hmm. That'll change it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That'll change it. Uh-huh. Uh, the Bach, Rabbi Joel Serkis, 1561-1640 in Poland, further develops this definition, definition by stating that the eggs, honey, and sweet and spiced ingredients should be in greater amounts than the flour. The air To be the Taz, Rabbi David Ben Samuel Halevi, fifteen eighty six to sixteen sixty seven, disagrees with the box, stating that the liquid ingredient should be more honey than water. Taz, 
Uh, yes. Yeah. Forget it. Forget it. Just keep going. Don't, don't. Dough that is filled three dough that is filled with honey, nuts, sweets, and spices. What all these explanations have in common is that they identify these foods as a snack or a dessert. These foods are something other than the main course. Major course than the main. So he brought him. They've had pat something which is a snack food or a dessert food, and they thought that you say hamotzi lechem in aretz over it because he had said anything that you're eating that has a meal to it, you say hamotzi lechem in aretz. He comes and says, no, that's not the case. It has to be a real meal. If you're just snacking, you say boreim in aretz presumably. Now that will affect what what effect it has. It has the effect on whether you say brikadamazon or not, whether you wash or not. Okay, so it, it the bracha in advance on what you're saying has an effect on how you act before the meal. Not just the blessing, but you have to wash and do nidilaya daim, etc. And of course, what you say after the meal in terms of the the, the latter blessing as well. So it depends on your definition. The definition of however you define it, as she says, it's not people seems to be something which is snack food, dessert like, sweetened dough with perhaps some fruit juice or, or different kinds of things uh, in it. But that's not something you would start at the beginning of the meal with and use that as hamotzi wash hands and say hamotzi lechiminarits. That one sounds like Right, some, some sweet kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So if it's, if it's part of the meal, I'd say sweet kugel. Well, the kugel is not the, quite the same thing. It's not dough, yeah. right? But anything so so sweet, sweet kugel, you would say shakol. For instance, it's not, it's not dough or anything. It's a noodle, it's not dough. Suppose there's something with dough that you would have with the meal. Right, so presumably... You would say if if you have anything, you'd say Borim your name is or not. You wouldn't say Amotzi. Okay, all right. So where is she now? She's at the point where she says this story of Habat Habab Bekisnin may have more to do with is that your this this you know is that the beginning of a main meal rather than what it's really made of. Clearly, if it's ma ma simply eaten as snack food, it's But if it's now, what the question becomes, if it's already part of the main meal, does that allow you to say hamotzi lechemina arts? And again, if you say hamotzi lechemina arts, what do you have to do? You have to wash. And if you say hamotzi lechemina arts, you have to say berkatamazon. That's why this phrase has become important and why she seems to be not so much concerned at this point, right? At this point, with what the it is made of, as as much as what's its purpose. What's its purpose? And it's she's based that on what? On the last statement of Rav Yehuda, which says that if it's used as the eruv as part of the major meal, then you say hamotzi leminarets. Everybody with me? Mm -hmm. yeah. Alright, so now let's go back to the text. So we at least understand Pataba Bikisnin, or somewhat at least. 
We're now back to Zimun, the communal introduction for Karmazon, which has been the major part on page 9, which has been the major part of our concern, anyhow, having to do with the, the sections we've read in Brachot. If Karmazon is introduced with Zimun, a formal invitation to recite the Karmazon together, the Mishnah Brachot. In this Shuva, we have ruled that the criterion for main meal is the eater's satiation and intention, even if that person is not consuming bread from the five species of grain, and that Birkanamazon is the appropriate way to consume Okay, so it's not what it's, what you say, Hamosi, in advance, it's whether it's Koveya Suda, whether you're sitting down now and having a major meal. The logical consequence is that a person expected to recite the Katamazon is counted in the requisite number needed for Zimun without any qualification and may serve as the prayer leader for Zimun and the Katamazon. It is not necessary that others included in Zimun must have eaten bread made from the five species of grain. We so you don't have to wash for Zimun. We're not dealing with all that's the next statement. That's okay. the next section. I'm just asking. Okay. For Zimun, no. You can can you be encountered? We had that as part of our, our our part of our study. Remember the butler, as long as he's in both places, and, and you can have some people in whether they can hear you and whether they can't hear you. Didn't say they had to eat bread. You you do ask people do you you have bread? At least the person leading the zimun has to have had bread. What? Right, the prayer leader must. The prayer leader must. But we learned that we do. Okay. That's what I was confused. Okay, Nessia? Even the halachic ruling that presumes that the main meal requires bread made from five spices? Species. Of grain allows a person who has not eaten it to be counted in the three person clone made for a zimun as long as the other two. Okay, and that's what we had. You can be counted in, provided the, the leader as such can do it. Right. Joel, you want to go on? There are those who say that all its worth of grain is sufficient for Zimun, even if it is not bread. And there are those who say that even with vegetable or any foodstuffs, it is sufficient. Therefore, if two ate and a third comes along, if they want a portion of meat and all worth of bread, <laughs> force him, right? You force him. You really want to do Zimun? Sit down on your, you know. <laughs> if he does not want to, he should not give him the drink or to eat different food. Oh my God! If it happens that they gave him drink or different food, they should do Zimun with him, even if he didn't want to eat bread. <laughs> we're not dealing. With, okay, we're not dealing with force feeding here. Okay. Right. <laughs> You finish off this section. Finish, finish off that, that little section. Furthermore, well, no, okay. A person who has eaten or drunk anything except water may be counted in the ten-person quorum required to mention the divine name in Zimun. Okay, so everybody with us so far? I want to look at the English on um, 25 and the note before. Goes on to the next page. So, Fran, why don't you go on? And Those who hold that the issues of reciting Birkat Amazon and of inclusion and leadership in Zimun are parallel and non intersecting issues may find it worthwhile to consider this explanation 
This is known as the, he wrote what's known as the Aruch HaShulchan, the beginning of the 20th century, and basically it's a compilation of taking the Shulchan Aruch and later uh, decisions and putting together in, uh, uh, in sort of essays on halakha and, and, and the psak as well, and then the final conclusions. The majority of the halakhic decisors were of the opinion that Birkat Hamazon was an obligation derived from the Torah as long as one ate to satiety, and that eating a measure of bread equal to an olive was of rabbinic derivation. Okay, that's something we've just that's normally the case. As long as you have an olive swing of bread and you eat basavata, you say brikaramazon. Therefore, in regard to a group that ate, some of whom ate to satiety and some of whom ate a measure uh, equal to an olive, it is correct ab initio that the one who leads ought to be one who ate to satiety, not one who ate less. You don't have that person who sat down or you're forced to have a little bite to lead Birkanamazon. He's just, you just want to say Zimun, and, you know, and, and you want to make him be part of it, that's all. Whether the measure of an olive or an egg, since it is better that one who is obligated according to the Torah rather than one who is obligated rabbinically, and not the other way around. Okay, Alavat Torah, meaning he hates he ate the Achalta, it doesn't tell us what, but Achalta Visavata comes from the Torah. Easier to do that. Ron, you want to go on? However, after the fact, if among those who ate the safety, there is more. No, there is none. Go on the bottom. Go on the bottom, Bill. There is none. Right below the, below the line. That one who ate only the measure of an olive leaves Berkat on his own, and then all can fulfill their obligations to recite. So, what happens if you get together and, uh, and you, you have people who've really eaten to satiety? They've had the savata, and somebody comes along and has a little piece of bread to join them, and he's the only he's the only one who can lead it. You let him, you let him lead it. The reason is this, in regard to Birkat Hamazon, that one is obligated to recite, is it like a Birkat from a mitzvot that one can, uh, who has not performed it at all may fulfill another's obligation, in this particular case, because all of Israel are guarantors of one another, and not like Birkat of enjoyment, such as for eating different foods, where one can fulfill another's obligation only if one has consumed that so what this says is even though I've not really done what the Torah asks me to be to do the Savata can I fulfill the obligation for those people who have done that I can't do it if I'm not eating hamotzi you know when I get the kids for, for to, to do hamotzi um, after bar mitzvah we do niti like yadayim they're ready to run away of course and I said, now let's do motzi, and now have something, eat it. Or when, when we finish the kiddush, drink it. You can't fulfill the obligation if you don't do it yourself. Right? So, the same kind of thing here. So, it, it, it's, it's, what's the case here? In Birkota Nanin, eating different fruits, he can't say motzi and then not eat it. So, what happens if somebody, in our case, somebody is gluten-free, 
they don't eat the motzi, can they do the bracha for everybody else? Not if they're not going to eat it. Right? On the other hand, in terms of Birkat Amazon, if we're together and there were two of us and we've eaten a full meal and somebody comes along and says, listen, why don't you take a bite so you can have a, be the third person and nobody else knows Birkat Amazon, they can lead it. Yeah. Oh, the Hebrew is no, not quite. Let me see. Hebrew isn't there. It's just that no. I'm the previous. It's on the previous page. Comes in. It's in. It's in the tractate of Shavuot. I got to remember the exact page. Right. It's an interesting way to use it in this case. Right. That's the phrase everybody uses. You know, to be used for you know tzedakah and fundraising and everything else under the sun. Here it's used by that. That's equivalent of the eruv. Okay. Okay. The eruv saying that I'm going to do it for me and everybody else in my community. Want to do eruv tafshilin? Okay. That's okay. It's the equivalent of can can you sell chametz for somebody else even though they don't know it? Yes. Mizakin adam you can do something good for somebody even though they are not necessarily there or know about it. So you can sell your relatives chametz even if they haven't given you permission to do so. It's better that they do, but even if they haven't. Yeah, I saw right. Dad, you have to buy my chametz. Probably negotiated with her. Yeah, I was going to add it. All right, let's go on. Rather, in regard to Birkat Amazon, we do not say that one can fulfill the obligation of others unless one the measure of an olive, because how can one say the one of those who we have partaken? Right? How can you say, ultimately, Shachalnu Mishalo, when you didn't need anything? The citation of a line from Zimun, if one has not eaten, Therefore, one must eat the equivalent of an olive, but that is sufficient, and one can lead Zimun and Birkat Hamazon and fulfill the obligation of others. So it affects the question of what if they can eat it. Yeah, finish, please. He suggests relating Zimun and Birkat Hamazon is a minimum participation, eating as little as the measure of an olive. Okay, because we're going to get you still going to say who can lead it, what happens if you don't eat it, what happens if you eat just a little bit, etc. So. What, what, what we're left with, as you can see here, is nitilat yadayim. Can you do nitilat yadayim over something which is patpikisnin, something which is gluten-free, etc., even though you're not really having bread? Um, before we go on to that... We're not going to, so it's okay. <laughs> um, is someone allowed to join in? Maybe we covered this uh, in Birkat Amazon if they've already said Birkat Amazon. They, they can be. They can be. They can answer. Yes, they can't lead. Uh-huh. But they can participate. Right. Again, we're talking zimun. Is the thing. Okay. All right. So. And they made another alitila, and they had another size of the Yeah. Then can they leave it? Yeah. Seems to be yes. All right, so what's left on this one is to finish up that one. 
she, she brings the sources together after that. And as you look at the final page, there is a disagreement. Uh, on, on her final choice, and so, so, so we'll, we'll do that. We'll probably finish this next time. Um, I'm not going to go on to another section of the Talmud just because there's only a couple weeks left. So I will pick something else, either to do with in terms of, of di either in terms of foodstuffs or maybe one that you wrote that I've written to, yeah. to kind of study. Well. Are you going to bring in the um, article from um, the Susan, I get their name wrong. So we're organizing. Um, yeah. No, I don't. I, we we've read enough of her stuff. Yeah, yeah, no. We in, in terms.